It is Ryan here, and I have a question for you. What do you do when you win? Like, are you a fist pumper? A woohooer, a hand clapper, a high fiver. I kind of like the high five, but if you want to hone in on those winning moves, check out Chumba Casino. At chumbacasino.com, choose from hundreds of social casino style games for your chance to redeem serious cash prizes. There are new game releases weekly, plus free daily bonuses. So don't wait. Start having the most fun ever at chumbacasino.com. No purchase necessary. DTW, void, we're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions 18 plus. Hey guys, it is Ryan. I'm not sure if you know this about me, but I'm a bit of a fun fanatic when I can. I like to work, but I like fun too. It's a thing. And now the truth is out there. I can tell you about my favorite place to have fun. Chumba Casino. They have hundreds of social casino style games to choose from with new games released each week. You can play for free anytime, anywhere. And each day brings a new chance to collect daily bonuses. So join me in the fun. Sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. VTW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. What is up, everybody? We are live with the awesome FanDuel Week 7 edition. I am your host, Matt Kajewski. I am here with my partner in crime, Kyle Dvorak. You can follow me on Twitter at Matt underscore Kajewski. You can follow him at Kyle Tweets here. Before we get started, make sure to hit that thumbs up button, subscribe to the channel, and hit that notification bell so you know when this show and all others go live across the awesome channel. Kyle, today we're talking FanDuel specifics, but a couple overarching things in the DFS landscape, of course, injuries are always going to be important. We don't have a ton to monitor going into the weekend, at least as it stands right now. It's Thursday. We still have Friday practice reports. One main one I saw, Michael Thomas, you know, he hasn't played really since week one. High ankle sprain gets in a disciplinary problem, misses their last game. And now he pops up on the injury report with Michael Thomas. Are we going to see this guy this year? Yeah, this is I like it's just a midweek hamstring tweak for most players, but the fact that they disciplined him last week, or I guess it would have been two weeks ago now, and he wasn't playing before that, it's worth thinking about. I definitely still think the assumption is that he plays this week, but, uh, you know, it's just been weird with Michael Thomas this year. I still think we're going to see him this week, but um, definitely a situation to monitor outside of that. Not as pertinent on FanDuel because we're not as much looking for punt plays, but Jordan Aiken still isn't practicing. Darren Fells in consideration maybe because FanDuel pricing does not necessarily have you going as deep on tight end. Maybe he's more of a guy that you look specifically as a stack correlation play with Deshaun Watson. Uh, Sammy Watkins is not practicing. No surprise. I don't think there's really any chance he plays. Not a ton of injury news. Yeah, there's really not. I mean, just guys that might return, we're going to see Keenan Allen. It, I think Keenan Allen Seems has like some back spasms. Yeah, he had some back spasms, but he's practicing yesterday. He should be good to go. I mean, all the other injury news, I feel like we already know. Deontay Johnson, full practice Wednesday. He should be good to go. It'll be nice to get him back in the fold for Pittsburgh. Maybe that adds a little bit of variance into the pass catcher core. But then otherwise, like Eckler's out, Raheem Mostert's out. We already have that injury news. So I think you're on it. It's really just, you know, Mm -hmm. what is going on with Michael Thomas. But you hit on a couple things already. This will be a FanDuel-specific show. You touched on the tight end position. We're going to be going position by position and kind of taking an ownership look at the slates, who is the chalk, where can we find some leverage, and then maybe some players to to just downright fade. And as we start getting into this, one position I think which is really curious as far as ownership goes is quarterback. It's a position that's really flat. And generally we see this with quarterback, but usually you can peg a couple guys Mm -hmm. coming in with at least moderate ownership. 
This week, we're seeing six different quarterbacks between six and eight and a half percent ownership. Our most owned quarterback on the slate on FanDuel specifically is Deshaun Watson at 8.3K. What do you make of the landscape of quarterback given that ownership is relatively flat? Yeah, it is. uh, Like you said, it's not the most, you know, the most dynamic position in terms of you get guys high or really high ownership and really low ownership. It is fairly flat on a week to week basis, but this week more so than any other week is one where you can kind of just do whatever you want. I think maybe this is a week where you focus more specifically on correlation and roster construction, as opposed to fading the chalk, because we're not going to have a ton of chalk at the top. Sean Watson, 8k totally makes sense of the premium quarterbacks. I'm so sorry. I think I had toast before this, and the toast, it's all in my throat. Deshaun Watson at 8K, because he's one of the premium quarterbacks, and he is significantly lower priced than Josh Allen, Russell Wilson, way lower than Patrick Mahomes. Probably the guy you could most look to in cash, just because he's probably as good as the other plays, the total on Green Bay at Houston. Oh my God, I think I checked last night, it was at like 57. This is an insane game to be targeting, so at 8K, Deshaun Watson probably makes a lot of sense. In tournaments, though, I think there are some maybe more interesting plays. Kyler Murray versus Russell Wilson. That game has probably just as much of a likelihood to shoot out. Kyler Murray offers you a ton with his legs, maybe not as much through the air as Deshaun Watson. And Russell Wilson, I mean, man, it's going to be difficult to get up to 9K Patrick Mahomes when his game is just so less enticing than Russell Wilson for 300 cheaper. The ownership essentially doesn't matter, and his game is so much better. So same thing could be said for Josh Allen. Expensive, but uh, his game just meh. Yeah, I think we're seeing a lot of that. And you you hit on Deshaun Watson at 8K flat. I think it's a good price for him. He's been really efficient despite this Texans offense struggling mightily to open the year. They're 32nd in plays per game. They're still running fast, ninth in seconds per play. That just speaks to the overall inefficiency of the offense. But then you look at Watson, he's still completing 68.5% of his passes. That's 10th in the NFL. He's averaging 8.9 yards per attempt. That's second in the NFL. Their defense has just been so bad that they're giving up so many points that even with Deshaun Watson's efficiency, it's hard for the Texans to keep up. So I think that really speaks to the potential shootout of this Houston Green Bay game. I think if you're playing low-risk contests, this would be a place that I try to start with Deshaun Watson. And you mentioned some of the other expensive quarterbacks. I want to dig in a little bit on this topic. You know, we have Russell Wilson at 8,700, Patrick Mahomes at 9K on FanDuel. Is this a range you find yourself getting to a lot? I I think up at the top, I prefer Russell Wilson, but I don't feel great about it. Yeah, I don't find myself needing to pay up to this like 8.5 plus. I guess you could start at 8.4. Group Kyler Murray in there. For me, of those high-priced guys, I'm pretty fine being low-key on Patrick Mahomes, on Josh Allen. You know, Kyler Murray, if I'm targeting that game, I guess he obviously gives you more rushing equity, but does he give you an overall ceiling that is that much better than Russell Wilson or close to Russell Wilson? I'm not sure if his ceiling is even that close to Russell Wilson because, yes, as a rusher, he's awesome, but Russell Wilson as a passer can put up so many or at least has shown the potential to put up so many more touchdowns and the price is only 300 more. If we were looking at 7,900 Kyler Murray, he'd enter the Russell Wilson-Kyler Murray conversation. For me, Russell Wilson's the only guy I really feel like I need to pay that big, big premium for. After that, man, there are a few much cheaper plays. I'm going to start with one that I think both of us like. Justin Herbert at 7.5K. He's gone over 300 yards in two of his four starts. He threw four touchdowns against the New Orleans defense. And his stacking options are so easy because he has such a condensed target share to basically three players in Hunter Henry, 
Mike Williams, and Keenan Allen. Keenan Allen saw 40 targets in three games before he got hurt with those back spasms. Mike Williams has bookended the season starting with, I believe, nine and then eight targets the most recent time we saw him. I might have those numbers flipped, though. And does have a lot of deep ball potential, so on any given play, he can make a huge splash. I think that's kind of a lot of the times how I choose to build my lineups, to build my stacks, is look at the receivers and look at the game environment and work my way backwards towards the quarterback because as much as like quarterback does control the outcome of the offense, that will be reflected in the receiver's production. That will be reflected in the game total. So the quarterback is just a guy that plays in a game that I can already project out based on the Vegas, the Vegas total and the implied team total. And I need to see how much his receivers are priced at. And can I stack them? Can I stack Matt Ryan with both his receivers? I don't know. Does Matt Ryan have the potential to elevate both those guys? Not sure. But can I do that potentially with Justin Herbert, Hunter Henry, and Mike Williams? I think that's likely. So I'm probably not targeting the most expensive tier of quarterbacks outside of Russell Wilson, who I think because FanDuel affords you a bit more salary, a bit more freedom, I'm really comfortable paying up for specifically Russell Wilson. Yeah, you bring up some good points in working your way back from your wide receivers. And you mentioned Matt Ryan in particular, if you stack Julio Jones and Calvin Ridley, you're really using up most of your salary at that point. And you're likely not just going to have to put one position, but maybe multiple. And I think you, at that case, if you're doing that, you really need a 50-point game from Atlanta just so they can pay off those salaries and you can really hit a GPP, GPP winning score. So I think that makes a lot of sense. Russell Wilson sort of falls into that same category with Tyler Lockett at 7,400 on FanDuel, DK Metcalf at 7,300 on FanDuel. Those are two pretty pricey wide receivers to stack with one of the most expensive quarterbacks on the slate. So you make good points. As far as the Herbert situation goes, I think his price is really nice, as well as the prices of his pass catchers. Keenan Allen looks like he's going to draw some ownership himself. But just looking at this Chargers offense, not only do they draw a fantastic match against Jacksonville, who's allowing the most yards per attempt in all of football to opposing passers, but the Chargers are running the fourth most plays per game. They're 11th in seconds per play. And Herbert's efficiency has been off the charts. He himself is averaging 8.5 yards per pass attempt. That's third in the NFL. You look at the targets like Keenan Allen, he's locked in. He's what, third or fourth in target share? And he missed almost an entire game. Mike Williams, yeah, he was you were third right, in target right share. Yeah. Yeah. Third in target share, and he missed almost an entire game. You mm-hmm. were absolutely correct on Mike Williams. Nine targets in his first game, eight targets in his most recent game. He's going to be involved, and he's going to pop up for big games. I actually think he's a leverage spot, which we'll get to a little bit later. I think the main question, Kyle, with the Chargers is can Jacksonville keep up? In a full game stack, do you think Jacksonville has enough in the tank? Like, would you maybe look to Gardner Minshew? Are you looking to, uh, a pass catcher on the other side and a run back. That's my main concern with this team. Yeah, I think this is a scenario in which, like, I do think it is viable sometimes to go with the double bring back in a game that just features a ton, a ton of points. I think this game only features a ton of points from the Charger side specifically. I'm not sure Jacksonville can keep up to the extent that we are, like, excited about bringing a lot of guys back. It's kind of like what we saw with Atlanta last week where Kirk Cousins was bad, but the team ended up putting up enough points that one of the guys got you there. I think Jacksonville falls in that territory where they're they're not like drastically bad enough that they're not going to put up any points against the Chargers. But I'd limit myself to one bring back, and the options aren't incredibly expensive. I lean DJ Chark, but I think you could potentially make arguments. I don't know so much about LaVisca Chenault because his ADOT, he's basically used as this guy whose scheme touches to get yards after the catch. On FanDuel, I'm looking for guys who can break off chunk yardage. I don't need an eight-catch, you know, I don't need an eight-catch game. I just need the yardage and the touchdowns. I think DJ Chark gives me a way better chance 
So I think on DraftKings, there's a conversation about who you want to play. Because we've seen so much of DJ Chark in the red zone, he is number two in red zone receptions. He's really the only guy I look to run it back with. You could probably also make an argument for the running back as well, though. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I, I do like this game a ton. Again, my main concern, you you bring it up, is just that Jacksonville won't be able to keep pace. If if you're stacking the Chargers side, I will say that Jacksonville is so pass-heavy that I think even if they don't score a ton of points, you could see G, DJ Chark walk his way into you know being in the optimal part of that stack. As far as some other pivot spots, I've been looking pretty intently at this Carolina-New Orleans game. The total sitting right around 51. New Orleans is a seven and a half point favorite. And these are two highly efficient offenses. Neither of them are particularly fast. Carolina in particular is 28th in seconds per play. New Orleans is 20th in seconds per play. But I'm mainly interested because we get Drew Brees here. 7.7 can FanDuel coming in at 2.9%. And he has Michael Thomas back. Allegedly. He has Alvin <laughs> Kamara. Those are two fantastic options for, I mean, it's a, a, a very cheap price. For Drew Brees, there's stacking options on the other side if you're going to go the full game route. Do you have any interest in Drew Brees at just a fraction of the ownership? Yeah, I think I think I would probably look to the other side more, mostly because I think the price of a double stack for Drew Brees, Drew Brees is not a, a, an extremely expensive player, but Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas is probably another scenario in which it takes a massive point total for this team to get there. Get there just meaning that they have to be incredible values. Like you have to maximize the points you score with all the dollars you spend. I don't think you're going to, I don't think it's awfully likely that both Alvin Kamara and Michael Thomas absolutely smash. So I prefer them as the runbacks to my Teddy Bridgewater stacks. But I think we're in agreement that this is a game that is probably going to go under owned relative to the field. Right now we have Teddy Bridgewater as a top five value play. And I think there's even room for upside because he's been so efficient. And another guy who the target share is condensed. You basically have two pass catching receivers and no one else that you really have to be concerned with. So if you do make the right call that this is a game worth stacking, you've probably got the stack right as well, because it's not like a team like Dallas before Andy Dalton, where there were multiple players. There were three receivers and a tight end and a pass catching running back. Just calling that game alone didn't give you the right answer. I think if you call the Teddy Bridgewater stack correctly, you probably end up making the right answer in terms of who you stack him with. Yeah, I think that makes sense. I, I like Teddy Bridgewater for a lot of the reasons you mentioned, not to not to mention this New Orleans defense has not been what we've expected to start the year. I think when we start taking a look at quarterback overall, there's a few fade candidates, and some of them are probably going to be pretty surprising to the to the audience. One in particular that I've had my eye on is Patrick Mahomes. And I don't often say, you know, Patrick Mahomes is a fade candidate, but here we have him at 9K, so he's an exorbitant price in your lineup. You have him in a matchup against Denver, a team I'm not particularly fond of. I'm not entirely sure that they can keep pace here. The total is just 48 and a half. It's far from where we've seen the Chiefs in recent weeks where they had, you know, implied team totals around 35 points. You think Patrick Mahomes can get it done here against the Broncos or is he a potential fade candidate for you as well? Yeah, I definitely think he can get it done in some sense, but can he get it done at 9K? I'm not sure. And, and can you run it back with anyone? I don't really know. Does this game have a ton of shootout potential because of Denver? My lean is that it doesn't. And on FanDuel, I know on DraftKings, I have a little bit more interest in a, a very similar spot. It's Josh Allen because like, you can pay down for a guy like Gabriel Davis. You can pay down for Rashad Perriman. Saving that salary doesn't really help you as much on FanDuel specifically because it's not the discrepancy between these like super punt plays. So I don't think paying down for those guys is as valuable on Vandal as it is on other sites, but you still end up having to pay up for the quarterback. So 
I think on FanDuel, I'm less inclined to go with these uh, like one-sided blowouts because I can't find cheap value on the other side of the blowout. So yeah, both Josh Allen and Patrick Holmes kind of fall into that territory where the winning side is just too expensive and the, the runbacks aren't as exciting. Yeah, I think that makes a lot of sense. I don't have a lot of faith in Drew Locke keeping pace. I'm not sure who you stack him with. Like, I don't know, do you go Judy? It's a situation I'm likely going to avoid. But, but before we head into running backs, guys, we have some great tools over at Osmo.com. You can get access to all the great Osmo Plus tools and content for nearly every DFS sport out there with an Osmo Plus weekly pass for $29.95. This includes full access to all the premium content and tools on Osmo.com, including player projections, ownership projections, our premium Slack channel, and much more. Only looking to play NFL? Then you can sign up now for our weekly NFL package for $14.95 or give our NFL weekly express pass shot for just $3.95. We also have a special running right now for the Champions League soccer in case you're missing that middle-of-the-day DFS action. Champions League is here, and large prize pools are up for grabs on DraftKings and FanDuel. Get access to a week's worth of Osmo Plus soccer projections for only $2 when you use promo code Champions League at checkout. That's less than 30 cents per day to give our soccer projections a shot for your first week. Start winning, stop guessing, and join Osmo Plus today. Fantastic stuff for Champions League soccer, and what an incredible price. Make sure you check that out. At the running back position, Kyle, we're seeing a little more chalk here than we are on DraftKings. And it's not a lot, just slight, slight difference here. Kareem Hunt is really kind of up at the top by himself. He has 28.5% ownership. Our RB2, as far as ownership, is Aaron Jones coming in just north of 21%. So he's a full seven percentage points higher as our highest owned back. And now, I mean, the matchup doesn't get any better. They're playing the Cincinnati Bengals. We know what this Cleveland Browns team wants to do. They want to run the ball. They've been in a lot of negative game script lately that's really limited Kareem Hunt. He's also been dinged up. I think this is a fantastic spot, but at the same time, are you willing to eat this ownership at this price, 7.1K on FanDuel? Yeah, I think the price is great. The matchup is great. It's all setting up for a great game from Kareem Hunt, who, like you said, has been, unfortunately for Hunt, probably playing with more deficits. I guess maybe early in the season you would like to play Kareem Hunt at a deficit, but now without Nick Chubb, you just want your running back to have positive game script. Not uh, not so much the case when you play Pittsburgh. This will be likely, no, no guarantees, but likely a different scenario versus a lowly Cincinnati team. But this ownership is just absurd. And Kareem Hunt is not getting like Ezekiel Elliott level workloads. He's not getting Alvin Kamara as a pass catcher level workloads. He's been good, but not great. He's been good for 7.1K. But is he good for 28.5% ownership? Like what are the odds you think that someone like Jarek McKinnon has as many touches as, you know, combined touches as Kareem Hunt? I'd say it's like, 60-40 in favor of Kareem Hunt? Maybe? Do you think that's fair? Yeah, definitely. I, I've been vocal about liking Jarek McKinnon most of, more than the general public this week, so maybe I'm a... I chose a good bad, example for us. I'm a bad example because I particularly like Jarek McKinnon this week, but I'm with you. I do think the touch projection on some of these backs, and you use Jarek McKinnon as an, as an example, but think, I don't know, David Johnson, like yeah. Joe Mixon, like pick the back. I do agree with you that I don't think Kareem Hunt's touch projection is out of this world better than some of the other guys. Yeah, it's just as simply, if I can find that much volume at a similar price, like you said, Joe Mixon, 300 more, but over 10% less ownership right now. James Conner, the exact same price, essentially. 
13% less ownership just eyeballing it. I, Jared McKinnon, I think, is probably the perfect example. It's definitely the least advantageous matchup versus New England relative to getting to play, you know, Cincinnati or whatever. But how much of Jermichael Hasty do we see? I don't think it's a ton. And at 5,500 and way less ownership, do I think I can come into the ballpark of Kareem Hunt level volume for a cheaper price, cheaper ownership? Even James Robinson, like we've seen him take an uptick in his role as a pass catcher. He's cheaper and his game environment. I would prefer to stack Los Angeles Chargers versus Jacksonville, even if that means having to take the running back on the losing side of a game. I just think I can find myself talking myself out of Kareem Hunt his ownership specifically. The price is good, but I'd rather go down to like all of the guys we just named. Right. And so after we get past Kareem Hunt, we see this flat now. So it's Kareem Hunt, it's Aaron Jones, and then it's Joe Mixon third. And once we get to Joe Mixon, we're already talking about 16% ownership. And then after that, it's flat. You know, it's, it's David Johnson, it's Jarek McKinnon. There's a few other guys in this range and they're all between 13 and 14 ownership. There's about seven or eight guys in this range. My main question to you is, What do we do with these backs? There's expensive backs. There's cheap backs. One in particular I want to unpack on this particular FanDuel slate is Jarek McKinnon. He's 5,500, and he stands out as a clear value play to me on the slate. It's different than DraftKings where he's in a more of a middling price range, and there's different value on the slate. But on FanDuel, he sticks out as your cost-adjusted play that you're trying to jam into your lineup to get some of these studs, especially the running back position. What's your take on McKinnon and a potential timeshare with Jermichael Hasty? Yeah, I'm not sure how much of that time he ends up sharing because one, Jamichael Hasty, like I don't care to get too much into the weeds to running back prospects, but if we were to do it, he just looks like a practice squad UDFA guy. He was a committee back in college. He projects to be at best a, a deep fill-in low end of a committee back. And that is just not reflected in Jarek McKinnon's price. He's so cheap on Fandom. We have him right now, what is he, 5,500? I just lost him because I resorted. Yeah, he's 5,500 and he could get... 70, 75% of the carries, and he will almost certainly get all the targets out of the backfield for San Francisco. So the matchup's certainly not good, but the price relative to his ownership, I think he he projects like a guy who would be like the mega chalk on a slate, almost like a free square level running back. Right now, we have him projected as our number one value on the slate relative to his price. He's just not getting that kind of ownership. So anytime we can get a free square that the public doesn't view as a free square, that is just a free money machine for me. Yeah, I think part of the reason on FanDuel specifically is the pricing is a little bit, I don't know how to put this, it's not quite as strict as as DraftKings. You can do a little bit more with your salary. There's a little more leeway. So maybe teams just aren't getting to Jerick McKinnon because they don't necessarily need the salary saver. Me in particular, I'm I'm interested in jamming in some of these receivers like Devontae Adams, like Michael Thomas. So I'm going to get a lot of Jarek McKinnon, and I don't think the matchup is actually too formidable against New England. They've regressed on defense, I think mainly against the pass. But, you know, that's a conversation for another time. I do want to get your take on some of the expensive backs. So there's two in particular on the slate that I think a lot of people are going to be interested in. One is Derrick Henry. And it's because of the absolutely monstrous game we saw from Derrick Henry last week. The other is Ezekiel Elliott. And now Ezekiel Elliott finds himself in arguably a pretty good spot just because Dallas is a favor over this Washington football team. But he's 9.5K. Do you find yourself getting into this range, whether it be for Derrick Henry or Ezekiel Elliott, you could lump Alvin Kamara in there at 9.3K on FanDuel. What's your take on this expensive range? 
Yeah, I don't mind going into this expensive range, expensive range too much because none of the guys outside of Aaron Jones are particularly popular. The the mid-range is drawing a lot of the ownership. Kareem Hunt, Joe Mixon, David Johnson, and James Conner are four of our top five owned running backs. And this will probably end up changing in some direction or another by the time we have uh, we have kickoff on Sunday. But as of right now, it seems like the the mid-high range is going to be particularly popular outside of Aaron Jones, who I just say is a high-priced running back. This is a time, oh man, I, I don't want to do it, but Derrick Henry at home in a game that should feature a lot of points. I know he's expensive, but this is the time we talk about getting into Derrick Henry. When he's 28, 29, 30% owned, I'm not playing any Derrick Henry. Even if he's expensive, I'm okay with playing expensive Derrick Henry if the game sets up to feature a lot of points. This game does tend to look like it'll be that, and the spread is not wild in either direction. So I think... This time more than others, maybe I'm comfortable getting into some Derrick Henry. He's still expensive, but like we said, you know, if you get yourself a Jarek McKinnon, you can pay up for some expensive wide receivers or for an expensive running back, a la Derrick Henry. Ah, oh, what's gotten into you? I never thought I'd hear the day you were gonna lock Jer- or you were gonna lock Derrick Henry. This is very yeah, different. Like, to you. am I am I crazy for thinking that when he's low owned, like low owned, there are a lot of running no, backs dude. No, between dude, that's reasonable. It's very yeah reasonable. between ten and fifteen percent. There are a lot of guys there, but he just falls into this range of people are going to play him if they're going to play him, but they're not jamming him. And if people aren't really excited about Derrick Henry, that's when I think it's comfortable to p- be playing him. One other guy I do think is worth considering, Clyde Edwards Hilaire. I think his ownership is probably depressed because people are so afraid of Le'Veon Bell. Like Le'Veon Bell's probably just bad. Like we have multiple seasons. I he was on a bad environment, but he was also in a good environment. Like our our calculus on him should be so thin right now that our prior should be pretty strong too. Clyde Flair has looked good outside of random touchdown like variants. He has looked fairly good, especially in a, an incredible blow up spot in prime time once again. I, I like me some Clyde Hilaire this week, 7K. I'm just going to keep going back to the well. And this week he's actually not that popular. No, he's reasonable ownership. I think that's a good take, too. People will be scared off by the Le'Veon Bell stuff. We'll see if he's active. I've seen some reports saying mm-hmm. he may or may not be, so we'll have to wait for that information as it comes. We we have about 100 of you in chat. Thank you guys so much for being here. The chat is very popular today, too. We appreciate you all. If you could please hit that thumbs up button. It is a great way to support the show, and we appreciate you very much if you do that. I have a little a little dichotomy for you, a situation to choose from between two players. They are the same price. On FanDuel, Kyle, it is DeAndre Swift for the Detroit Lions at 6.1K. It is Justin Jackson at 6.1K for the Los Angeles Chargers. These two players have identical ownerships. Now, it's not high for either of them, but give me your take between DeAndre Swift and Justin Jackson because I have a little bit of interest in one of these players. So uh, I think uh, I actually I know for a fact who you're going with. And although I think on on different sites, maybe it's a different conversation on on FanDuel specifically. The, the home-favored running back, lead running back, Justin Jackson, is absolutely where I'm going to be going here. I do think maybe if you're factoring in reception value on DraftKings, DeAndre Swift enters the conversation. But for me, Justin Jackson, what we saw, he outcarried Joshua Kelly 15-11, to 11, and he was still getting that receiving work. So if, if I say maybe DeAndre Swift has some receiving value over Justin Jackson, I'm not even sure we can say that is going to be the case. And I do think I am more concerned with the the overall game environment of Detroit at Atlanta than I would be like, I'm confident Los Angeles Chargers are going to roll Jacksonville. Detroit on the road, they're not good at all. I'm not sure how much we can expect to see of DeAndre Swift on the ground. I'm confident we're going to see a fairly good game on the ground from Justin Jackson. Joshua Kelly is still in the picture, but we did see the last time we saw them, it was two weeks ago now, that it is likely that he ends up running as the number one back and Joshua Kelly is the number two. If that's going to be the case against the Jacksonville defense at home favored, 
yeah, Justin Jackson, by far, I think the better play specifically on FanDuel, but probably on both sites, honestly. For sure. And there's a lot of people in chat saying, I don't want either of these backs. This, again, being a topic on DeAndre Swift versus Justin Jackson. And on FanDuel specifically, I think you guys are right for the most part. They're both projected for 3% ownership for a reason. These, like, these aren't the running backs you lock. You're certainly not playing them in cash. But in tournaments, I think there is something to be said for taking a look at both of them, particularly Justin Jackson in a matchup where the Chargers are favored by more than a touchdown. Not only have the Jaguars been giving through the air, but they're also letting the 11th most yards per rush attempt on the year. It's a good spot for Justin Jackson. He's a GPP play, don't get me wrong, but I still think the spot is, is pretty good for him. As far as fades, you guys can tell I am fading a little bit of DeAndre Swift. Again, 3% fade. What is that worth? As far as some players near the top of ownership that I'm interested in a fade in, I think David Johnson is worth considering just because the efficiency has been downright dreadful for him. As far as touch distributions for David Johnson, he's right up there with the top of the league. So this is a situation where I don't feel great about it. It's 15% ownership. It's not like you're gaining a ton of leverage here, but he would be someone I take a look at. 6.3K. I would rather just go down to Jerick McKinnon in that price range. It's actually the same deal with Justin Jackson on this particular platform. With Jerick McKinnon being cheaper, he's just the back I prefer straight up in those situations. Is there a running back you're looking to fade? Yeah, I think it's Kareem Hunt because we talked about all these other running backs that can offer you close to, if not the same, both value and overall touch total as Kareem Hunt. Some of them in as good situations, some of them not so much, but I think the difference between Kareem Hunt 7,100 and all these other guys we've talked about is a little bit. He's a better play for sure. But is he that much? Has he doubled the ownership, tripled the ownership better? I don't think so. So I think baiting the most popular back on the slate is basically all I need to do at running back to get sufficiently different. I think that makes a lot of sense. Let's move over to the wide receiver position. But first, guys, there's actually a giveaway tonight. So it's Thursday. Thursday Night Football is not canceled this week. Thank you very much, guys. I'm super excited for the game, even though the Eagles are running out of practice squad offense. But check out the pinned tweet at Osmo underscore com on Twitter to enter our Thursday Night Football giveaway to win a year of Osmo plus NFL. Just follow the instructions on the graphic and predict whether Carson Wentz or Daniel Jones will have more passing yards tonight. One random winner will be selected among the correct guesses. Be sure to check out our giveaway on at Osmo underscore com on Instagram handles as well to win a free month of Osmo plus platinum. Again, Twitter, Instagram, check those both out, guys, at the Osmo account. Another free giveaway on one of the island games. As we head over to the wide receiver position and we try to take a look at some chalk, you're, you're going to notice a common trend, a common trend among all of the positions this week. Again, it's relatively flat. So Stefan Diggs is the most owned receiver on the slate in it's a good spot against the Jets. I would say a poor game environment overall because I don't know if the Jets can keep pace here. We see Stefan Diggs 4% more owned than the next most owned wide receiver, which would be Devontae Adams after that DK Metcalf. And one common trend between the top three most owned receivers, they're fairly expensive. Do you have a preference between any of these three or maybe some other expensive wide receivers we see at the top? Yeah, for me, I would start off by if I'm if I'm talking about all three of these guys, the game environment is by far, by far the least appealing for Stefan Diggs. And I know he is like probably the best salary adjusted play of these three guys. Maybe you could argue DK Metcalf, Devontae Adams, quite expensive. I don't think you have to shy away from him because of that. I do get that Stefan Diggs, I would say if you made me pick one of these guys in, say, cash, I'd, I'd 
probably say Stephon Diggs is the best points per dollar play, but he's that much better than DK Metcalf, just racking up so many air yards. I believe he's top five in air yards on the year. No, I don't think he's that much better. And the game environment projects to be so much better. Two of the highest totals on the slate between Green Bay at Houston, Seattle at Arizona. So I'm okay with paying up for the the steep price of 8.9K for Devontae Adams. I really think it's – I'm very comfortable eating this DK Metcalf chalk because his 7.3 price is still too low for like one of the most air yards in the league. And those are all coming from Russell Wilson, the most efficient quarterback in the league. So DK Metcalf at 7.3K, I think he's probably the best chalk to eat of the slate at wide receiver specifically. I think we're in agreement there. And – Maybe we see Devontae Adams' ownership come down because he hasn't necessarily gotten there since that week one game. I'm completely fine eating the chalk there. Again, the game environment for Devontae Adams is extremely good. And when you're in that price range, so now we're going to talk a little bit price range above the DK Metcalf range, some more of the 8.5 to 9K. So Devontae Adams, 8.9 himself. Also in that range, we have Calvin Ridley, DeAndre Hopkins, and then I think an interesting conversation is what we do with Michael Thomas. Do you have any takes here? Yeah, I, Michael Thomas is a weird one because one, we'll just have to talk about him as if he ends up playing this game. Not a guarantee, but it seems likely. I mean, I am, where is our Michael Thomas ownership even at? I'm scrolling. Oh, it I'm is scrolling. so far down. He's 2.7%. I, like, I, I have it in front of me, so I'll tell you. 2.7% on a Michael Thomas ownership. <laughs> I know. I was like about to start talking about it because I was like, I know he's low, but is he this low? Is he that oh, low? My, low? And he ends up being incredibly low. I think so. La- I think it was last week, uh, maybe last week or two weeks ago, that the same thing happened with Devontae Adams, who was coming back from injury and he wasn't a lock to play. And by the time we got around to the main slate kicking off, he ended up being fairly popular. And this was not even a surprise. Ownership projections had him as that way. So this is maybe of all the ownership projections we're going to have the most fragile or the one that's most subject to change. But if he comes in like five, six, seven, eight percent, really anywhere under 10%, Michael Thomas at 8.6K in a game that I've already talked so much about wanting to play. Yeah, it is going to be just wheels up. We know, like, I don't have to tell you how good Michael Thomas is. If he's going to be low owned, much like Julio Jones last week, you just continue to play. it. And, and right now we're talking about it. He projects to be very low owned. So incongruence with Michael Thomas, I think on the other side, it becomes okay to eat some chalk with Robbie Anderson, who does project to be fairly popular, even less so though, DJ Moore. And I think, I mean, the all the puzzle pieces are in place. Teddy Bridgewater, DJ Moore, who is still top 10 in air yards, top 25, I believe, in target share, air yard share to be specific, and target share. So he's getting good volume. It's not great. I'm a little disappointed from what we've seen from DJ Moore, but the volume, especially the deep shots have still been there. Teddy Bridgewater has been fairly accurate. He's actually been like top five completion percentage, I believe, top 10 yards per attempt. So he's been good. The game environment is good. I mean, I'm laying out the stack for you right now. You play Teddy Bridgewater and then you stack the double receivers and you run it back with Michael Thomas. Expensive, but I like it. And Teddy Bridgewater, he's not going to carry significant ownership. Both of the receivers are fantastic. And you're getting Michael Thomas at 2%, for goodness sakes. Like, what do we have to do here? Again, the chat keeps bringing this up. We don't know that Thomas is going to play. And the hamstring issue is an issue. Watch Friday's practice report. Listen to Chef T. Rappaport. All of your Twitter follows with the injury news throughout the weekend. That'll give us a better sense of how healthy Michael Thomas actually is. Obviously, if he's not healthy, we're not going to be we're going to be playing him. As we look to, I you know, I think there's some merit to fading some of these really expensive receivers. Obviously, this is going to depend on your stack. But as I look down the pricing and I see DK Metcalf at 7.3K, you just mentioned Robbie Anderson and DJ Moore in a reasonable price range. We have Keenan Allen at 7K. Like, 
third in target share in the NFL, missing a full game nearly at 7K. I mean, what do we do with this? I, I feel like the ownership isn't quite high enough on Keenan Allen. Yeah, I think we play this. I think we play this because, yeah, a lot of targets. In fact, like we, we talked about earlier, despite missing essentially all of one game, I think he got two targets in that game. Uh, he scored once. That was fun. But uh, then he goes out and really <laughs> kills on my showdown lineups. Oh, I thought I was printing showdown money with Keenan Allen. But, um, yeah, still number three in target share in the league, despite basically getting no credit for playing in one, not playing in one game, essentially. 7K, I would have thought, I kind of agree, I would have thought he would have shuffled his way more up to that Stefan Diggs tier of chalk. And we don't have a ton of chalk on this slate, but Diggs is fairly uh, costly in terms of the ownership he runs you. Yeah, I think because we have so many good values with our 7K, like I think DK Metcalf is a great value. Stephon Diggs, a perfectly fine value. The Carolina receivers, great spot. Keenan Allen, great spot. They're all in that like 6.5 to 7.5K range. Maybe that is really a great reason to continue to fade your ownership on Devontae Adams specifically. I think you could make the same argument for Michael Thomas, but you're not gaining any leverage by fading Michael Thomas as per our ownership projections right now. You do gain leverage by fading Devontae Adams. So how do you feel about because there are so many good plays in this range? I actually think you've kind of talked me into just by bringing it up, the fact that maybe Devontae Adams is a guy you can rest easy on, and especially because I think they're probably the better team over Houston. Maybe that could put you on some Aaron Jones leverage plays as well off of Devontae Adams. Yeah, I think Devontae Adams is a phenomenal play, but the ownership on Devontae Adams at 15%, well, one, that's still probably not high enough for him, so I don't think I'm going to downright fade him, but you make some good points as far as the opportunity cost. He's 8.9K. So what are you giving up in your lineup at other positions? And these are decisions you have to make. I think whoever you play at quarterback is going to be extremely important in your stacks overall. So I, I'm not opposed to fading Devontae Adams, not in all of my lineups. If you're running out 150 or something, you should certainly be playing some Devontae Adams. As far as we talk about leverage here, this is actually a topic I want to dig into a little bit more. There was one call that you were particularly keen on last week that I want to isolate. It was Justin Jefferson, and you were really heavy on Justin Jefferson for a number of reasons. Not only was he leverage on a highly owned Adam Thielen play, but he was high leverage on a chalky Alexander Madison. It was a great call by you, and I didn't get on it, and it cost me money. Now, as we move forward to this week, I want to know if there's anyone you have your eye on in a similar leverage spot. Maybe it's a wide receiver one. Maybe it's not. Yeah, so I think one of the things that made him, like you talked about it, you got leverage off of Thielen in the off chance, which did end up happening, that Jefferson blew up so hard that it basically crowded out the other receivers, and especially with the the nature of Alexander Madison as a running back, was probably only going to go off in a competitive game. His team didn't have to be winning by 10, but uh, in a game where they end up taking an early deficit, which, oh boy, did they. Thanks, thanks, Kirk Cousins. He ends up being a massive bust, so he is a very negative correlation with Justin Jefferson. I don't think they're, well, one, there just isn't that much ownership on this slate at the top end, so I don't think we're going to get that good of an opportunity, but I will throw out one to you, and there's kind of another one in a similar spot we could talk about. Marquez Valdez-Scantling is like top 10 in unrealized air yards. His air yard share is top 10 as well. Not getting a ton of targets, but when he does, he is absolutely like tons of upside on a per target basis and he's not like a terrible value on FanDuel I don't think you need to dive deep into the cheap plays as much but at 5.4k he's still a perfectly fine play and if he goes off his value doesn't end up mattering he could have been 7k and if he goes off who cares so Marquez Valdez-Scanling I think does offer you some leverage off of Devontae Adams and Aaron Jones but Aaron Jones being more so game script proof in a sense. I do think he's not quite the play that Justin Jefferson was last week, but it's still quite good. I think you can make the same argument for Marvin Jones, but like Marvin Jones looks so bad. 
<laughs> Man, I've been playing Marvin Jones a lot this year too, and he is. I played him last week. Me. Yeah, I've played some Marvin Jones and some Stafford stacks, trying to pivot off the Galladay chalk. It hasn't worked. As far as Marquez Valdez Scantling, I, I do think he's a good play. He's a good pivot in this range, but I think there's a couple differences between him and Justin Jefferson last week. Yeah. Marquez Valdez, Marquez Valdez Scantling, obviously his volume is a little more variant on a weekly basis than Justin Jefferson's is. And the ownership I think is in a similar range playing Marquez Valdez Scantling is fine. He kind of reminds me of a player like Henry Ruggs in the way he's used. And you mentioned the unrealized air yards. Those are big plays that give you tournament winning upside. You just have to know if you take a guy like Marquez Valdez Scantling, He's going to be contrarian, but he's going to be contrarian for a reason. And most of the time he's going to bust. You're hoping for that one percentile outcome where he catches the long touchdown and he busts a Devontae Adams lineup and an Aaron Jones lineup. I think someone who might be a little closer to the Justin Jefferson style play is Mike Williams for the Chargers. We talked about him a little bit at the beginning, 5,900. In his healthy games, his most recent game, eight targets. His first game, nine targets. That's pretty good target volume in this Los Angeles Chargers offense. And we know Keenan Allen's going to carry some ownership. Justin Jackson is fairly low owned on this slate. I actually think his ownership probably creeps up a little bit. As the wide receiver two here for LA, I think this is a similar spot, maybe not quite as good of a leverage position as Justin Jefferson was in, but still decent. What do you make of Mike Williams? Yeah, I think he's in a very similar spot. Because I like Keenan Allen so much, I think I'd prefer to use him as a way to get my Justin Herbert stacks different and because i have so much interest in that whole los angeles chargers offense i don't think it is as much a leverage play off of keenan allen as it's a way to make my stacks different but you could use him that way it's just that i also love keenan allen i also love justin herbert so i think he makes sense as as a part of a stack that is quite unique whereas justin herbert not a ton of ownership but keenan allen right now a top five in ownership i believe so he is a bit of chalk that you may have to to eat mike williams probably the way to get different with it you could even potentially run these guys because they're not crazy expensive as a, a double stack, like a secondary stack, especially if you have like interest in, say, like Deshaun Watson, which brings me to one final leverage play that fills the same bill. Brandon Cooks, he's a little higher owned than the guys we've talked about, but we're seeing a lot of ownership crowding around Will Fuller. I think Brandon Cooks basically should have nearly the same weekly projection. It should be quite similar, not to the extent that Will Fuller is going to be $1,000 more expensive and more popular. I think he probably falls in that same range. I think so too. If we look at target share, Brandon Cooks has actually eclipsed Will Fuller on the year now. I don't know if this is a Bill O'Brien problem or if, you know, Brandon Cooks has just hit his stride recently. I don't know what it is, but 12 targets and nine targets over the last two games. Will Fuller is eight and 11 himself. So he's still a fantastic play, but I do think you are still getting some leverage on Brandon Cooks in this position as well. Are you looking to fade anybody? So, I mean, it's a tough position to just downright fade people. There's a couple of players I listed that I might potentially be looking to fade if ownership gets out of control. Right now, it's not. We'll have to monitor this throughout the week. But Will Fuller was one of them. I, I wrote in my notes, if Will Fuller gets out of control, I'll just play Cooks. If DK Metcalf gets out of control, I'll just play Lockett. And part of the reason with the Seattle situation is there's a lot of volatility to the targets. And it's, you know, Russell Wilson's extremely efficient, but this Seattle team... I know they're throwing more, but it's still not the most efficient team in the league. They're 28th in plays per game. They're 23rd in seconds per play. They are throwing at the 11th highest rate, partially because they've been in some negative game scripts. But what happens when they start leading? What happens if they lead against Arizona here and they take a run heavier approach and they're still slow? And we've seen this to an extent already. When DK Metcalf has an 11 target game in their most recent contest, Tyler Lockett only has five. 
he busts your lineup. Conversely, that's happened earlier in the year where Tyler Lockett, if we look three games ago, 13 targets, DK Metcalf busts your lineup. So this is a fragile, fragile game. If ownership gets out of control on DK Metcalf, I'm more than okay making this position, this pivot over to Tyler Lockett. Do you have any takes on this? No, I really like that. And I think anytime we have a a discrepancy where two guys are similar enough in projection, there's absolutely a scenario like, like, I don't know, 60, 40, Tyler Lockett, 55 or I guess DK Metcalf, 55, 45% odds that DK Metcalf outscores him. They're very similar. I'm not splitting hairs and diving deep into the film to figure out which one I want to play. I'm looking at ownership because that is going to give us the biggest advantage right now. The ownership is more leaning towards DK Metcalf, but not like incredibly in favor of him or anything. If we check back on on Saturday and find out that the ownership has creeped up to 20% on Metcalf, that probably comes at the expense of Tyler Lockett. Yeah, I absolutely think that's a pivot you can make. Stephon Diggs is the only one that I really just struggle to see. Not struggle to see because the Jets are terrible. But if he doesn't score one of the first two touchdowns and they go up 14, 17, nothing against the Jets, how much do we see Josh Allen throw? I don't think it would be a ton. So Stephon Diggs, probably one of the easier ones. I'm still thinking about it. I'm not sure how I feel about Devontae Adams. I'm definitely not full fading him, but I think I may end up coming under the field on him as well in favor of some of my, you know, Robbie Anderson, DJ Moore, Teddy Bridgewater stacks. Yeah, I think that makes sense in the right lineups, especially if you're attacking if you're attacking Teddy Bridgewater like it sounds like you're going to. But guys, before we, we move on to tight end, we have a ton of free stuff at Awesome. We have free content, NFL top showdown plays, NBA lineup builder, PGA top golfers, MMA fighter projections, all free today specifically. And we have a fantastic tool in Odd Shopper. When was the last time you made a big purchase without first shopping around to get the best price? Bookmakers and betting sites don't offer the exact same odds and lines for every single betting market. Just as prices vary from one retailer to another, prices vary from bookmaker to bookmaker. That's why odd shopping is so important to building your bankroll. Why wouldn't you want to get the best price possible for your bet? Head over to Osmo Odd Shopper to browse a number of the top books and find the best bet that you possibly can. That's oddshopper.osmo.com. You can sign up there to track your bets, get alerts when bets hit a certain price, and best of all, it's free. So again, all the free content, the Odd Shopper tool, that is all free and an incredible value. Really easy tool you can use to find the best bets, whatever it may be, player plop, player props, lines, totals, anything, it is all there. At the tight end position, Kyle, we've seen a bunch of bad slates. Now, this particular slate, we're getting Kelsey, we're getting Kittle. It at least offers us some upside at the position. However, it doesn't come with a cost. Travis Kelsey, nearly 16% ownership. George Kittle, 13% ownership. After that, it takes a big dive. Are you prioritizing Kelsey? Are you prioritizing Kittle? Or is this a position you're willing to punt on FanDuel? Yeah, on on DraftKings, the calculus becomes much more interesting because I think you can gain a lot of advantage by punting. I'm not so sure I feel that. Like, the math doesn't back it up. We have, like, a Kelsey, I think, is our best value like our best points per dollar value you're just not gonna you're not gonna find that on DraftKings whereas on FanDuel yeah you can actually pay up for these guys there are spots we can save money with like a, a Jarek McKinnon potentially who we both like some cheap receivers as well I feel much less comfortable ever thinking about fading a guy like Kelsey I know the matchup isn't great in terms of it's not a good scoring environment Denver's defense isn't good but let's say Clyde Edward Flair scores the first touchdown Tyree Kill scores the second they can just grind out the clock at that point Do I think that Travis Kelsey at his price and his reasonable ownership is worth that risk? I actually do think he's much more worth the risk here on FanDuel. So I'm probably going to be with or above the field on him. 
I think on a slate where there are better alternatives, maybe you could go to those guys. But I think the only one I actually think is a great alternative is potentially Hunter Henry, but he's not cheap either. He's 5,800 and he's still going to garner you a decent amount of ownership. So I'm kind of, kind of wavering on really anything outside of Kelsey this week. I won't lie. I don't mind George Kittle. I think there's some concerns with the matchup against New England. I mean, there's this historic narrative that New England will take away the top pass catcher, playmaker, whoever it is for opposing offenses. And I do think that's true to an extent. But the San Francisco team, now that they're healthy, has more pass catchers to at least worry about. I mean, they now have Debo Samuel. They have Brandon Ayuk playing a role. Jerick McKinnon is a phenomenal pass catcher out of the backfield. Can they afford to dedicate the resources to George Kittle and flat out take him away? I'm not so sure. So I think at his price and his target volume, he's worth talking about too. I will have some George Kittle on the slate. But outside of that, you really mentioned it. I will have some Hunter Henry because I'm super interested in the Justin Herbert stack against Jacksonville. But in that mid-price range, man, I see a lot of fade candidates, and I think it's just going to be punt or pay up for me. Do you feel the same? Yeah, I kind of agree. I, I think the punt plays on the slate aren't even great, so I might just continue to push myself over the field on Kelsey. And I agree. I think the the New England takes away opposing weapon narrative is probably more overblown than people would expect. So, like, we've seen both Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey go off against them, and you could say they chose to take the other one away. But why Why are we so sure that they don't focus on taking the receivers away, the running backs away, or that George Kittle is just good enough that you cannot take him away? That is, that is probably the most important thing, is that you might not, even if you have a solid New England defense and a good offense or a good coach in Bill Belichick, there might just be no way to take George Kittle away because he's just that good. So I, I think I'm mostly paying up. I don't mind the Hunter Henry play. I think, unfortunately, this is probably a place where I end up eating some chalk. Only other ones I have is Jordan Aikens didn't practice. I'm not sure we see him this week. If you're running Deshaun Watson stacks, you probably should be considering playing Darren Bells because, you know, the, the Will Fuller ownership, fairly high to Brandon Cook's ownership in that mid to low range, but it's not that awfully different. And Deshaun Watson probably going to be the most popular quarterback. I think the way to get different is by assuming we don't see Jordan Aikens playing Darren Bells. He saw seven targets last week. He scored in back-to-back games. The game environment should be absolutely ludicrous, and he's coming in at 1% ownership. Like, I get he's just dusty old Darren Bells, but he's playing with Deshaun Watson, and he's scoring touchdowns. He's a big red zone weapon. So I think he's probably one of the – there's not a ton of great cheap plays. He's in that mid-range, mid-to-low range. He's not, you know, 4.5K. He's still 5. He's over 5K, I believe. But I think he's worth a shot, especially in Deshaun Watson's stacks. Yeah, I I think that makes a lot of sense. There's – A lot of people are on Hunter Henry in the chat. Again, thank you guys for contributing to the chat. Love to see all the engagement. If you could hit that thumbs up button, it helps us a ton. And thank you if you already have. We greatly appreciate it. You mentioned the Houston tight ends. I think a tight end in a similar situation where it's not necessarily the role the tight end is playing. It's not the target volume. It's more their attachment to a phenomenal quarterback. And it's Greg Olson. I think he's a player in a similar position to the Houston tight ends. He's 4,900. So we're not talking about an egregious price. We're talking about 3.1% ownership and he possibly is even a pivot off your expensive and your chalky DK Metcalf, Tyler Lockett stacks. I mean, the target volume for him in the last four games goes one, six, seven, one. Is it volatile? Very much so. Is he attached to Russell Wilson? Yes. So I'm interested as if we're not getting to Kelsey, if we're not getting to Kittle, I don't know why we're just not paying down to this range and completely punting tight end. And a guy like Olsen makes a lot of sense to me for the reasons mentioned. Are you with me on this? 
Yeah, I absolutely agree. He's the only like sub. He's the only sub five K play, assuming we don't see Jordan Akins, who is priced down. If we don't see him, he is the only sub five K play that our Osmo projections have projected as like even a top ten value. You have to go down to like Tyler Eifert. Oh my God, yeah, and he's a terrible value. Like the only good value below five K is Greg Olson. That kind of surprised me that he wouldn't be more popular because of that. He is the only way you can really save a ton of money, and he's in a great spot. He doesn't play an incredible role, although he does get some looks in the red zone. He has an incredible quarterback. Everything lines up for if he's going to score a touchdown or have a ton of targets, this would be the game versus Arizona with a crazy total. And he's super cheap and he's coming in at low ownership. I'm surprised he's not just coming in as the chalk punt play. Maybe that's because like Eric Ebron, a little more expensive, but he's probably a a better points per dollar play. But Greg Olson, I think, is the contrarian punt play that we should all be looking to this week. And he's contrarian for a reason. Again, one target in this most recent game. He's not a player we're locking. As far as some fades at the tight end position, I, you know, a lot of the mid-range doesn't really interest me. One player in particular who's seen his role decrease of late is TJ Hawkinson. It's really interesting what Detroit has done with him. The game Kenny Galladay returns, his route rate, so the amount of routes he's participating in in this offense, jumps north of 80%. Then it's dropped two straight weeks and it's back down to the 60% range. He's actually splitting time with Jesse James. And it's not just in blocking situations either. Jesse James ran a fair amount of routes and it surprised me and I don't like it. But TJ Hawkinson at 5K, he's in this price range where I think I'm just going to try to get up to someone like Hunter Henry or I'm just going to punt the position entirely rather than targeting someone at this price. Excuse me, 5.9K is where we have TJ Hawkinson. So he's still fairly pricey for the role in the offense. Yeah, I have another one that is like the same kind of argument is that Austin Hooper maybe has like a better role within his offense, but his offense does not give two craps about throwing the football. All they want to do is run, and assuming they're able to beat Cincinnati this week, that is what they're going to do. Austin Hooper has one score on the year, and he has yet to top 60 yards. He's not a like egregiously high price, but it is still too high for me. He should be priced like he should be priced like Eric Ebron, just another piece in an offense that who knows if it gets to him and his ownership is what, like number six or seven right now? He should be like a very unpopular play. I'm going to just full fade that 5%. I like that. I like that. Again, with tight end, for me, it's mostly just paying up, getting the Kelsey, getting to Kittle. It's yeah. a little bit of opportunity cost and salary, but I mean, this position carries the most opportunity costs inherently. Are you just going to pay all the way down for TJ, or not TJ Hawkins? Are you going to pay all the way down for Greg Olson? Are you going to pay all the way down for Jordan Akins? Or are you going to try to get someone with actual volume? And those are decisions we're going to have to make. As far as bold calls, as we get into our final segments of the day, I think there's a lot of interesting ways we can go. They're maybe not as bold as they would be on a normal week, just because ownership is fairly flat on FanDuel, specifically across positions too, not just QB, but you know, wide receiver, running back. There's only a few guys carrying exorbitant ownership, Kareem Hunt being one of them. One position I really like to target, at least at this point in the week, is this Chargers team. If you guys haven't gathered by now, I think the Chargers are in a good spot against the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not only because the Jacksonville Jaguars have a bad defense, because the Chargers play with incredible pace. They're fourth in place per game, and that should afford a lot of opportunities to the pass catchers. Justin Herbert's affordable, he's not expensive, and he has pass catchers to stack with at a variety of positions and costs, Keenan Allen being my favorite. I think there's also runbacks on the Jacksonville side because of how pass-heavy they are. They are the pass-heaviest team in the NFL. So if you want to take a look at maybe a runback with DJ Chark, 14 targets last week. Keelan Cole, a little bit cheaper. Nine targets last week. I don't think they're going to carry a lot of ownership. I don't think they maybe have the same upside, but at least they're in play. 
Is there a spot you really like for maybe a bold call, a stack nobody's talking about this week that you particularly like, Kyle? So I already, you know, it's pretty obvious that I'm in on this Teddy Bridgewater stack. So I'll just give you one other one that's not a stack, but I actually do realize that it probably is a solid enough leverage play. Jarek McKinnon, top five overall scoring running back on the slate and would give you some interesting leverage off of George Kittle as well. I think it makes sense. Makes a lot of sense. Guys, but before we get out of here, we have a lot of stuff going on at Osmo. More shows today. We have live before lock. So you're playing showdown tonight. New York taking on Philly. Our very own Kyle on live before lock tonight, correct? I am on live before lock tonight. With uh, Should be with Alex himself. All right. Make sure you check that out, guys. Of course, we have a podcast network. So if you ever miss this show live, you can check that out wherever you get podcasts. We are there. Check it out. Leave a rating and review. And as always, hit that thumbs up button before you head out. I am your host, Matt Gajewski. You can find me on Twitter at Matt underscore Gajewski. He is Kyle Dvorak at Kyle Tweets here. We will be back again next week for another FanDuel breakdown. Thursday, same time, same place. We will see you guys there. Have a good one.